Discover community. Find hope and experience God. This is Discovering Hope with Pastor Paul Knight. How's everybody doing? Good. Sometimes when I walk into a room, I can feel it simmering and smoldering. Sometimes when I sit down in my office, I can feel it simmering and smoldering inside of me. Sometimes I know exactly why. Sometimes I I don't. I feel it in our community. I feel it in our nation. I'm talking about these smoldering hearts. Anger. In my backyard, I have uh, a cast iron chiminea. It's one of my favorite things. I love to sit out in my backyard and I'll build a fire. If you're in my neighborhood, you know what this is like. I don't build just like a little fire. I build it so that the flames shoot four, five, six feet out the top of the chimney. I love it. Sometimes they're so big, the flames come shooting out around me. I'll stand there and I think like I'm in control of the fire. But the interesting thing is, Often, three, four days after the fire, it's still smoldering. It's still hot. It's like a lot of our hearts. You have a very good reason, many of us, for why the initial flame was there. Like the initial anger, there's there's really good reasons for it. The kind of reasons that everybody would say, well, of course, of course, but... Two, three, four, five, ten, twenty, thirty years, forty years, fifty years later, it's still smoldering. And of course, there was a good reason why. I was reading about a guy recently, and you know, some of us we've grown up in families in crazy places where uh, where anger would make total sense to anybody who observed, right? Ongoing anger, they would like, of course, you have been so hurt. I, I was reading about, about this guy. Uh, his father had several wives, had had several wives, and and he had all kinds of stepbrothers and stepsisters and the family basically was was pretty much a mess one of the brothers his half brother uh fell in love with his half sister which is <laughs> it's always messy right and uh he approached her physically and she refused him and in his uncontrolled self he took her and raped her. If you get your head around that, that's like, that's anger inducing, right? Her brother observed and heard about all of this, and so he had this anger welling up inside of him. The person I read about observed all of this in in his house, and the end result of this is her brother, two years later, found the half-brother that raped his sister and killed him. 
And here's here's the the deal. You like they were all waiting for Dad to do something because Dad knew, and Dad was passive and didn't step in, didn't protect. And, and so you you look at that and, and you think, well, of course, of course, there would be anger. two-year anger that leads to death or two-year anger that leads to ulcers or two years of anger or 10 years of anger or 30 years of anger or 40 years of anger or 50 years of anger, no matter what the cause. Does that kind of anger serve the purposes of God in you or in the world? Like, is God doing something in you when you have that kind of... Because, well, before we jump any further, let me just ask you a question. We're in this Proverbs series, right? Let, let me re- read some of these. Well, before I read the Proverbs, let me just ask you this. We, we get a choice, right? And, and some of you are going to have a choice today of, about the anger that's in your heart. You, when, when truth comes to you or light shines on you, you get the choice to say, oh, okay, wait a minute. I want to deal with that. Right? Some of you, what's, what's going to happen today is God's going to put His finger on your heart and you're going to say, and He's going to say, that's the anger I'm talking about. You may have had a perfectly understandable, rational reason why it started. But now, now it's like... So when the light shines on you, you get the choice to, am I going to deal with this or not? Or, or you can do the foolish thing and deflect it and say, but, but you know what she did. You know what he did. It's not my fault that I'm... How would you like to live in... And, and, and so, rather than deal with it and, and say, okay, God how can this serve your purposes? Or how can I deal with this? How can I surrender this? How can I live in submission to you? You deflect it or you do something crazy. It seeps out into other areas of your life and you start to do things that if you were in your right mind, you would never do. You, if you were in right mind, would never say that to your kids. You would never throw that at the kitchen wall. But there's something going on inside your heart. There's something going on inside your soul. There's something smoldering that is undealt with. And so some wise people deal with it. Some foolish people deflect it. And some people who struggle with wickedness and evil become destructive. You choose. Listen, listen to this. By, by the way, the story that I told you, you can be re- read in Second Samuel chapter 13. The person who observed it, the brother, was Solomon. His half-sister Tamar was raped by her half-brother Absalom. Or, I'm sorry, raped by her half-brother Amnon. Absalom, her brother, murdered his half-brother, King David, stood by and the anger sifted through his family years and years and years so that's the guy who writes about anger in the book of Proverbs probably from a personal experiential platform 
He says in verse 29, 22, an angry person stirs up conflict and a hot-tempered person commits many sins. Some of us know that. Proverbs 15, verse 1, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Proverbs 15, 18, a hot-tempered person stirs up conflict, but the one who is patient calms a quarrel. 19, 11, a person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. Three verses that, or two verses that aren't Proverbs, but also speak to anger from the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 and 27. It starts this way. In your anger, if you're reading from the New American Standard Version, I love this. Be angry, it says. Be angry. And some of us have been taught from the very time we were little kids never to be angry. That's just not honest. There are certain things that happen we should get angry about. It's how long it lingers and what it seeps into that is the greater issue. Be angry, it says, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Do what I do. Pray that the sun stays up for many hours late. Right? You're like, like, you get one of those little sun lamps, those little artificial sun lamps, and put them in your bedroom so that you can stay up longer and be angry. Okay, never mind. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Ephesians 4, 29-31. Do not let any unwholesome talk come up. Oh my goodness. Let me start that over. Those of us with tempers. Not me. Those of you. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness. Get rid of all rage. Get rid of all anger. Get rid of all brawling, all slander, and every form of malice. God, I pray that you speak to us today. I pray, God, that you would somehow help us to navigate these emotions within us that are angry. In Jesus' name. Amen. Here, here's my first point today. The smoldering heart. The smoldering heart. See, anger, anger isn't always bad. It says be angry in the Bible. It's a natural reaction of, of feeling the strong annoyance, the strong displeasure, the strong hostility or something that happened. But here's the thing. Sometimes anger makes us crazy. We even say it like this. I'm mad. You know what mad represents? <laughs> mad people are, we, we would say insane. Out of their right mind. And some of us, the way we handle our anger, we know, we know that our anger makes us crazy thinking. We throw tantrums like we're three-year-olds in the grocery store's aisles over things, but we do it like adults. We do things like we throw pans and pots and, and wrenches. So if we live out in the country, we have like entire toolboxes out, like, like, like in the field. And there's these smoldering hearts, these these out of our right minds. And you got to ask yourself, where does this come from? Because some of us, it's like all of a sudden, it, it like surprises us. So let me give you a handful of sources. That that the first one is sometimes our anger starts from a holy discontent, a holy discontent. It's a beautiful thing. You see something that you know is wrong in the eyes of God. And it's holy content, discontent that makes you angry appropriately. So you see someone who's 
been belittled or shamed or or you 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 watch things nationally or locally or regionally that you look at that and you you, you watch racial things and and you say in a holy way that makes me angry you watch abuse happen or you know about abuse and and it, it it's an appropriate anger and you know that this appropriate anger, when submitted to God, may be the very thing that God uses to accomplish His purposes. His purposes inside of you, and His purposes inside the world. It's probably the same kind of, kind of anger that Wilberforce looked at when he saw slavery from England. And he said, we have to stop this. It's the same kind of anger that some of us feel when we talk, hear about sexual abuse. This can't continue. And you have this emotional, this intense reaction of holy discontent. And and, and you know in your heart that this is not right. It's the kind of anger that Jesus felt. Regard to the Pharisees who, who, when he talked about healing the man with the shriveled hand, and the Pharisees, in their stubbornness and their, their, their stupidity, said that it's the Sabbath, you can't heal him. Rather, they would leave someone wounded and wrecked and ravaged than heal him. And Jesus says he got angry at their stubborn hearts. It's the same kind of anger that Jesus felt when he turned over the tables in the temple. And drove out the money changers for cheating the people around them. There is an anger that comes from God. It's it's a gift, a tool to be used to accomplish His purposes. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. For some of us, we maybe had a good start to our anger. There was something holy about it. But when it lingers for a long time, like it does in some of us, it begins to seep. And it'll come out sideways. Here's another source for our anger. Some of us had anger that started appropriately, but became ungodly by lingering too long in our hearts without doing something about it. You may go back to an anger that was 10 years old. And people, when you explain to them, they would say, well, of course you're angry about that. I'm going to stop that. The Bible actually teaches, do not let the sun go down. It feels like to me, that God wants a time frame around our anger. The hurt is real, yes, but the anger... The, and I'm not saying I've fixed every anger. I'm not pretending that. I'm, not, I'm being honest with you. Sometimes Bonnie makes me so mad I sleep on it. She can really be inappropriate. <laughs> at least that's what I do at first in my head. Because I always want to blame out there. But sometimes it starts, but then it goes in a bad direction. Gary Chapman says, anger was designed to be a visitor, not a resident. Anger was never meant to move in and be a part of your life. The inappropriate anger often simmers like a broth inside your heart that day after day after day you drink and it just poisons your life. And it shows in all kinds of areas. When when I think of our world today, a lot of us maybe, maybe when you look at your family background, 
you may have had a really legitimate and appropriate reason to be angry. But someday, especially those of us who are believers, right? We're all going to sit before God or stand before God at his, what's called his judgment seat. And when he looks at you and says, I get it. Politically, that was wrong. I get it. Economically, that was wrong. I get it. Theologically, that was wrong. I fully understand. Relationally, that was wrong. God might actually say that. But then here's what I think he might say to some of us. That was wrong. But 40 years of living in that? Why didn't we deal with that? 35 years of that seeping in your soul? Why didn't we deal with that? Why did you let that soak and infect your kids and your grandkids for 60 years in your family? I get it at the start. So you you ask, we ask ourselves, is my anger serving a godly purpose in me or in the world? And that's a fair question. The anger that comes from holy discontent. The anger that comes from a holy discontent but stays too long and begins to become wicked. And then there's the source of anger that really, in the end, it's just ungodly. This is the one that's pretty common for me. It's, 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 it's like when I'll use my lovely wife who's related to Jesus. So it's like his little sister kind of, I mean, she's amazing, but she sometimes can irritate me. She's back in a sound booth right now. And I initially can blame her for that. But here's the truth. That's always in me. She's not the reason ever for what goes on inside my heart. It's my selfishness. It's my narcissism. It's my pride. It's my insecurity that she tweaks in some ways, or the kids tweak in some ways, or the staff tweaks, or you all. (laughs) Sometimes give me some... The initial may be accurate, but the living in anger is ungodly because it it's really about me. That's the smoldering heart. Here's what I want to say. Beware, be aware of anger danger. Be aware of anger danger. Here's what some of us have been taught from the time we were little kids, the, the, the way to handle ang- anger negatively, right? Some of us actually were taught that you shouldn't be angry. Right? And so we, we do this, we stuff it. We, we stuff it, we stuff it. We take that anger, we shove it down inside of our heart. And, and we, we hold it there, we cap it, and we leave it there. And it's like, it's, it's, it's like, it's like the cast iron pot in my backyard. It's smoldering, but we have it under control. The trouble is it doesn't ever just stay there. 
It seeps out. Some of us have learned we can keep our anger stuffed and still stoke it. Make it hotter and hotter and hotter. We go talk to our friends. Do you know what my wife did? I can't believe. What do you think it was? She's awful. You're right. She's a, you should be mad. I am mad. I And I get crazy. Are you kidding me? And so you stoke it. You do things like, like this. Uh, like if, if, if your spouse doesn't treat you the way you wish at night, you get out of bed, you go watch another TV show, and you stoke it. And then you climb back into bed, you put your back to her so she knows. And then you hear, and you realize, whoa, she doesn't even care. And you stoke it some more. See, that's what we, we, we stuff it and we stoke it and then eventually it spews. Some of us spew, we don't spew, spew. Some of us, it, it comes out in other ways. We do things like we, we crush the spirit of our children in our anger. We do things like we distance ourselves. We, we, we have all these, matter of fact, did you know that anger causes physical damage to you? Like those of us who have learned because we're Scandinavian or North Dakotans or Minnesotans that we don't erupt. And I'm not advocating erupting. I'm advocating dealing with it. But we've learned to listen to this. When anger is suppressed, the body continues to produce adrenaline in small quantities to address the perceived danger that the mind and heart indicate is present. Over time, this drip, drip, drip of adrenaline and other hormones within the human body is extremely detrimental. It produces a state of internal stress, a little like trying to drive with one foot on the gas pedal and the other on the brake. The long-term effects include ulcers, Heart ailments, strokes, arthritis, depression. Every system and organ in the body is affected in a negative way. Anger danger is that it damages us physically. It also damages us relationally. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. When you're angry, you pull away from your spouse. You pull away from your kids. You pull away from your church. I think it's amazing right now in our culture that because of what's going on out there, we have followers of Jesus Christ who are so angry they refuse to hang out with other followers of Jesus Christ. Talk about anger going sideways. That's weird. Oh, I'm sorry. That's sinful. When it lingers so long, it, 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 it gives this kind of anger, it gives the enemy a foothold, a workspace. It's like when you have anger in your heart, it's like the enemy gets to move in and be a resident there. And he can work in other areas. You wonder, why is this happening in my life? This is a new kind of temptation for me, a new kind of, why is it? And, and you realize that part of it is you've given the enemy a place where he can reside and begin to tinkle and do things in other areas of your life. It says in Ephesians that you give the enemy a foothold, a place that he owns. It, it also, this is another big deal, anger that is lingering and ongoing, ungodly anger. It sustains spiritual infancy and grieves the Holy Spirit. 
It sustains spiritual infancy. It damages our relationships. It gives the enemy a place. It damages us physically and it sustains spiritual infancy because you stop working on developing your heart because your heart belongs to the enemy. And you're filled with anger and you won't move on beyond that. So you can't, he, like, it inhibits your discipleship of Christ. It inhibits your love or ability to receive love from God. It grieves the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit realizes that he has lost part of who you are to the enemy. And it makes him sad. Proverbs 16, verse 32 says this One who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and one who rules his spirit than one who captures a city. He's saying one who can control his spirit, rule it, master it, is better than a person who's a great warrior. You can be the best in your field. And everybody, like, you're amazing. But if you can't rule your spirit, your heart, like, like you know people who are excellent in one area of your life and their families are wrecked behind them because their anger is so explosive, so damaging, so crushing of the spirits of those around them. So let's talk about dealing with our anger. Let me give us a couple overriding statements. With the smoldering anger, the inappropriate anger, put it out or put it to work. If it's something that God is working, put it to work. Put that anger to work. Like if it's something inside you and you realize, ah, the reason I get angry every time that happens is because I'm selfish, ask God to help you with your selfishness. Put that anger to work and shape you. If it's something out there, get to work. And do something about it out there. Or ask God to take that anger and surrender to Him and submit to Him. And and then continually ask this question, how can this anger serve godly purposes within you or without you, outside of you? See, because a leader, and we're all leaders in some way, leaders can be great in an area, but the hardest thing to learn how to lead is you. And so we have this anger that is unruly. So we have to ask God, how can I deal with this positively? I don't want to stuff it. I don't want to stoke it. I don't want to spew it. What do I do? Here's the first thing. You take ownership of it. You take ownership. You admit that it's not her fault. It's not their fault. It, It may have started there, but now your anger is your anger. I'm the owner of it. It's mine. No matter what my children did that made me angry or mad, after the sun goes down, it's mine. I'm the owner of it. I'm responsible for it. In the book of Job, Job chapter 19, verse 4, it says this, It is true that I have gone astray. My error remains my concern. I choose my responses, is what he's saying. So I choose whether I want to linger in the anger. Here's here's the second thing to do. So so that's the ownership piece. The second, and and again, this is going to sound really simple. If you do this and deal with your anger, this is really hard work. right? To admit when you get angry and it isn't just about that thing anymore, but it's lingering, to admit that that's yours. That you own that response. And here's, here's, here's the next one. Go under the surface to the source. 
go under the surface to the source. The, the, the anger is always a secondary emotion. It's a reaction to something. Right? I don't get usually angry. The, like the ongoing anger may be precipitated by this, but what caused this? And I've already alluded to that. In, in my heart, it, it's, it's often selfishness. Like something happens and I realize I didn't get my way. Or something happens and my insecurity rises, so I get angry about that. Or, or something happens and I realize this is disrupting my schedule. And my schedule is so full that if anything else comes into it, I'm going to get angry. And, and rather than obey God and take time off and Sabbath or put white space in my calendar, I fill my calendar and then when something disrupts it, I get angry. That's not their fault. That's me fault. And so what's the source of the anger? This is, again, hard work. The source of maybe a wound. It may be a hurt. It may be a damage that was done in a very real way. But the responsibility then for 40 years or 50 years or 60 years or 3 years or 2 years, then, then it becomes mine. What's the source of this? And God, how can we heal this? The, the, the next step is to go to the cross with it. To go to the cross with it. Cross your heart and your head. Continually go to the cross and say, because here, here's what that is. That cross is a place of no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It's a cro- place of forgiveness. So whatever you're bringing, whatever anger, you, you go there. It's a safe place you can go to Jesus and say look at I've got this inside me can we work on this every time this happens I get angry what is that inside me father help me surrender that to you help me submit that to you God use this in me to shape my heart I want to be holy I want to walk with you I want to be faithful to you I don't want to be stuck as an angry old man or an angry old woman have you ever been to a retirement home when all of that anger, those defenses that, that for some of them, they just like sit there out in the front and I'm like, oh my goodness. I, I've noticed with, with, not me, some of my friends, the older they get, the more curmudgeonly they get. I wonder if some of this has to do with this unresolved stuff in our hearts, this, this simmering and stuffing that we've been doing our whole life. Take it to the cross. Say, 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 Jesus, I know I'm coming here as a forgiven person. What do you want me to do with this? How do you want me to respond to this towards my spouse? Towards my dad? Towards my mom? Towards my uncle? Towards my aunt? Towards my neighbor? Towards my school teacher? Towards my brother? Towards my sister? Whoever it is, how would you like me to respond to that? I'm willing to do the work to respond the way you want me to respond. God, use this for your purposes. Confession. Repentance. Restoration. God, I'm wide open to you at the cross. Cross my heart. Finally, learn to take your thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. We do not wage war as the world wages war, but the weapons we fight with have divine power to demolish strongholds and pretensions We take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. When it wells up inside you again, this is what I have to do. Like I'll go for a ride in my car. I'll take someone for a walk. And I I rip the thought out of my head. 
I said, God, is this the way you want me thinking? Because right now I'm stinking mad. I'm intensely almost on the verge of crazy inside my head. So I take the thought captive. I said, God, how would you like to transform this? I get it. Like, if I were Solomon or Absalom, and someone did that to my sister, I'd be crazy, man. Or someone that did to someone, like, whatever. I get it. But how long are you going to let that seep? And how long will you drink that poison? What if? What if the cross could really become a place of freedom? Where you could say, God, every ounce of my natural being says, I still want to be mad at my dad. But give me the strength to forgive him. Please. God, every ounce of my natural being wants to hate my husband for leaving me. I want her to die. But God, I don't want to be that. How do you want me to respond? Please help me.